0: Welcome to episode 31 of the Pursuing Endurance podcast. In this episode, we will be discussing the shift in season. So, here in the United States, we are headed quickly into the winter season. We chat about how this influences winter hiking and mountain activities when it comes to gear, considerations to make, safety, mindset, and using your best judgment. If this is of interest to you, I invite you to have a listen. Without further ado, let's jump in. Welcome to the Pursuing Endurance Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah LaCourse, a certified personal trainer and sports nutritionist with a degree in psychology who emphasizes the importance of focusing on the long game. Let's be real, endurance doesn't just pertain to sports, it's anything we endure as humans. Here on the podcast, we will dive into topics ranging from sport, mainly of the mountain endurance variety, to entrepreneurship, to eating disorder recovery. Oftentimes, these pursuits will feel like climbing a mountain, even if it's a metaphorical one. I'm here to have conversations around embracing the process of enduring hard things and exploring the gray area that often comes with this. I'm stoked to have you here. Let's jump in. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome back to the Pursuing Endurance podcast, or welcome to the Pursuing Endurance podcast if you are new here. Welcome, love to have you. First of all, can we all just agree on the fact that December is flying, and also time does move faster as an adult and as you get older? While this is definitely not scientifically proven, it at least seems to be the case in my personal experience, so I'm sure some of you can resonate with this. Before we fully jump on into the episode, just a few things to note. One is that I mentioned in a recent episode that I've been newly working with a couple of brands, which for the record are all brands and products that I personally use weekly, if not daily, and have been for years, and I love them. I would literally not work with a company or a brand that I don't use myself, don't agree with their own values, or that I haven't used for a period of time. And I won't always mention these brands on the podcast, really, if the episode doesn't make sense for it, or if I don't have something personal to share around it, I'm not going to add that because that's what feels right for me as the host of this podcast, and I also reserve the right to change my mind in the future. And so on that, today I am just going to mention Ned. Ned is a favorite of mine and has been since probably 2021. After using other CBD products, I have personally found that the products that Ned makes work best for me, my body, and my needs. My favorite as of late is their De-Stress CBD blend because, hello, it's the holiday season here in the United States, and I personally find this time of year is just overall more stressful, there's more going on, and there is also less daylight, which is just hard to manage. You can check out Ned, which they do have non hemp based products as well. Head on over to helloned.com. That's H E L L O N E D.com. And use discount code SARAH L. So that is S A R A H L for 15% off your order. And then also to note, Winter Strength has launched and is available for the third consecutive winter season, which I am so psyched about. Winter Strength is an eight week, two times per week progressive strength training program specifically created for winter hikers and trail runners. You can learn more at sarahlacourse.com forward slash winter strength, and that is linked up in the show notes. And now that those couple of things are mentioned, let's now get into today's episode. Today, we are going to be chatting about shifting into the winter season and what this can change for those of us involved in winter hiking in terms of gear, considerations to make, safety, mindset, and using your best judgment. We will also get into things such as where to potentially find up-to-date trail conditions, weather forecasts, weather forecasts for elevation, and some ideas around changing up trail nutrition in this season. Just to note, this is my eighth winter hiking season that we are heading into because it's technically not winter quite yet. Although when this episode releases, it's going to be the solstice or the day before the solstice, I forget. So, well, yes, I have experience. I'm also very much still learning, dialing in my gear and preferences, and better understanding my own needs. Learning our needs and also supporting them is a process and winter hiking demands us to know them And they are probably a bit different than other seasons, which is not entirely true because, again, it's still fall here in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. So, I really should say the demands of winter conditions are different than non-winter conditions. And by way of this, our needs in winter conditions are likely different than in non-winter conditions. And so, leaning into this process of learning what you need and what works best for you is something that I will invite you to do, and remember, it is a process. I'm first going to cover gear, and then we will go over considerations to make, both in general or lessons that I've learned, and then some nutrition considerations, and lastly, getting into mindset, safety, and making sound judgment calls. And I will also cover a couple of available resources, from weather conditions and forecast to where to find recent and up-to-date trail reports and trail conditions. Alrighty, let's first get into gear. I am going to cover my own personal winter hiking gear list. I'm not going to list all of the specific products, but rather my go-to in general, if I have one or just kind of the category itself. And if you are curious on the specific things that I use or the alternatives that I use regularly, Check out the gear list linked up in the show notes or at SarahLacource.com forward slash winter hyphen hiking. And just to note, obviously, this will change and vary based on where you're hiking or where I'm hiking, individual needs, conditions, etc. This list is based off of my hiking in the White Mountains in New Hampshire and within my own personal comfortability based on the conditions at hand. So just keep that in mind. And I will just mention that any of the products that I specifically list, I'm not sponsored by any of these companies. These are just products that I personally love and use myself in the mountains, in the winter, and in other seasons. I do have affiliate links for some of them. So if you do go to my gear list on my website, some of those links are affiliate links. So just kind of keep that in mind. But not sponsored. I don't receive money for mentioning any of these on the podcast. And so the first category that I am going over is winter backpacks, which is really just a larger capacity backpack. And there are two that I kind of swap back and forth between again, depending on the conditions, etc. One of them is the Ultimate Direction Fast Pack. It is a 20 liter pack. And I find that this suits my needs sometimes. And then more often than not, I will opt for the Hyperlite Mountain Gear Windrider 2400, which is a 40 liter pack. And I love this because of its carrying capacity and attaching snowshoes to it is significantly easier than the smaller pack. I also have a couple different like accessories, such as a bottle pocket and a pocket for my phone for that pack, which if you're interested, check out my gear list on my website. And when it comes to shoes, I range between a waterproof Mid height trail runner, a 200 gram insulated winter hiking boot, and a 400 gram insulated winter hiking boot. This really is dependent on conditions, hike length, terrain, weather, and the extended forecast. So I have a couple of options and I have learned over the years what works best for me. And then let's get into a little bit more gear and some things that you would want to maybe have with you. One is snowshoes. Another is micro spikes. I personally use the Sound Trail Ultra or the Hillsound Trail Crampon, which I find better when it's icier, although you might also find yourself wanting crampons. Other things that I have with me or on me are gaiters, trekking poles, a GPS watch, a GPS device, which I use the Garmin InReach Mini, and I love that just for safety, knowing that I can communicate even when I do not have service with loved ones and that they can also track me and see where I'm at in a given time period. And then also waterproof maps specific to the area that I'm going to. I have the waterproof maps for the White Mountains from the Appalachian Mountain Club. It can be easy to want to rely on technology or GPS devices for navigation, but having a waterproof map is also really important, especially in the winter season, where the cold temperatures can get to devices and really drain their battery capacity and potentially lead them to die. And then other things that I carry are a headlamp or two with extra batteries, water bottles. I personally use hydro flask or a similar style insulated water bottle. And on occasion, I will use a water bladder really depending on the temperature and the hike. And then in terms of clothing, what I usually wear is a base layer top, a legging that is brushed or fleece lined, liner gloves, a buff, usually one that is lightly lined, a headband that is lightly lined, and wool socks. I personally like Darn Tough. I've been using them for literally since I started hiking in 2016. They have been my go-to. I love them. And then clothing that is in my backpack I have, first of all, storage for extra layers. I use a waterproof stuff sack to put everything into so that if for some reason my backpack gets wet, the layers stay dry. In this stuff sack, I have a extra base layer, a fleece layer, wind layer, various forms of insulating layers. One is a synthetic jacket. Another is an extra insulating layer. Usually this is a down jacket that fits over my synthetic jacket. And then a hard shell that can fit over all of the other top layers so that it is always the outermost layer. In addition to these, I have an extra or second bottom layer. This will really depend on the weather, whether it is a hard shell pant or an extra pant that is windproof or both. I also really like a fleece skirt. 10 out of 10 recommend to keep the bum warm. This is one of my favorite layering options. I also have a fleece beanie hat. Mittens, I have a couple different options. They're on the gear list. And then always carrying extra socks. And then, in terms of extra safety, always carrying the 10 essentials, which I will link up information about that in the show notes. And then, if you're curious more on what I bring in this category, check out the gear list that I have linked up below that's on my website. And if you are looking at the gear list on my website, please remember that gear is so individual. It is person-to-person dependent, so please don't copy me just because I have experience, a gear list, or whatever other reason. You need to do your own research, find what works best for you, gain experience with your gear, gain comfortability with your gear, learn how to kind of navigate different challenges around gear, the weather, figuring out what is going to be the best option for you, and the safest option for you. So, Please use me as a guide. I'm happy to be that, but do not copy me just because I'm listing what I personally use. Alrighty, now let's go over some tips and general considerations to make. I am going to number these just to make it easier, but these are in no particular order. Number one, this one is kind of gear related. Get familiar with your gear at home and on shorter and good weather days. Also, ideally, on terrain and trails. That you are familiar with and comfortable with in summer conditions so that there is less newness being thrown into the mix. If you're getting into hiking in the winter season, this is obviously going to be more challenging, but I would suggest perhaps looking into a guiding service in order to learn all of the necessary things for safety and to gain familiarity with gear, etc. Number two, don't copy your friends or me friends or even my gear list or this podcast can serve as guidance for sure, but you know what you need to feel comfortable and safe. So if you need something else or different, that's perfectly okay too. At the end of the day, we really want to be taking care of and listening to our own needs because that is hopefully what is going to lead us to having a safe outing on the trail and in the backcountry. Number three, start comfortably cold if it isn't windy or precipitating you will warm up in no time. Number four, and this is kind of leading off of number three, being too sweaty or sweating through your layers is a dangerous thing because it can cool you off and tank your core body temperature fast, leading to an increased risk of hypothermia. Number five, starting hand warmers at the beginning of the hike in your warm mittens when getting ready at the car. Once your hands get cold, it is really hard to open the packages and the instant comfort that hot hand warmers brings is totally worth the 99 cents or whatever small amount per hike. I personally stick hand warmers in my warm mittens and then those mittens inside of a waterproof sack in my pack. That way, before I summit or whenever I need them, I can grab my mitts and they are usually hot inside, which is a glorious thing. Number six, Gore-Tex shell mitts are great because you can use different thickness of liner gloves underneath and they are also very weatherproof, but also pack your heavier warmer mitts with those hand warmers ready for action. Number 7. If opting to not use an insulated bottle, I'll cover a few common options and also ways to help slow them from freezing. If using a bladder, blow the water that is in the hose back into the bladder and then stuff the mouthpiece into your shirt to prevent freezing, or at least just keep an eye on the mouthpiece if it is attached to your pack. If using a Nalgene or other non-insulated bottle, store it upside down and obviously make sure that it is shut tight. Ice will begin forming at the top, so if it's upside down, it'll be at the bottom of the bottle. And then when you flip it over to drink it, you should still be able to open it and have water to drink. Or you can also insulate the bottle. There are some products on the market for this. And then if you are using soft flasks, throw a sock over the bottle top to just keep it a little bit warmer. And just to note, using warm or hot water when filling bottles will also help to slow down the freezing process. Some bladders and soft flasks don't do great with hot water, so just be aware of that. But otherwise, Nalgene's and insulated bottles are good with warmer hot water. So just another thing to think about. Number eight, consider changing a tenth to a couple tenths of a mile before the top. The goal here is for you to be warm but not sweaty. This could be, again, this is really person-to-person dependent, completely changing out of sweaty base layers into dry ones or even adding a layer just before the top. I would say trying different methods in milder conditions and see what works for you is a really good starting point. Number nine, be strategic about stopping on cold days and prioritize taking care of the one or two most pressing needs first, and then holding off for the next stop on other things. For example, maybe you are needing to pee, are getting hungry, and could use a layer swap. If it were me personally, I would stop and swap the layer while also grabbing a snack and putting it into a pocket and I would pick a snack that I could eat while moving and then I would go pee. So I'm really covering the layer swap and going pee, but I'm also grabbing a snack that I'm able to eat while moving. So I'm immediately checking off two boxes, but I'm also leading myself into checking off a third box and helping out future Sarah. Another example would be if you need a layer change needing to pee, and needing to change traction. If it were me, I would layer change first if I'm cold because I personally get cold very easily when I stop. And then I would change traction once I have that layer change done. And then maybe in another half mile or three quarters of a mile, I would stop and go pee. I would just make sure that I am warm at this point when I do that. Number 10, even if you feel warm, put a jacket on at any extended view or snack break or other break. We lose that heat so fast and it can be really challenging to get it back. Number 11, bring something warm that's easy to consume. This one is kind of nutrition related, but also more for comfortability. And I will list some options that I like when I cover nutrition related considerations a little bit later in the episode. Number 12, trash compactor bags are very lightweight and easy to pack. And they can be used for unbridged water crossings. Please only within your comfortability. We do not need to do things just because we see or hear of others doing them. They are also excellent for waterproofing the inside of your pack as you can line the pack with the compactor bag and then put everything into the compactor bag inside of your backpack and it should be really waterproof. Number 13, reading trail reports. Some places that you might find valuable trail reports and conditions are New England Trail Conditions, Facebook groups, Strava, and AllTrails, and I'm sure there are more, those are just the ones that I personally use. But reading trail reports and looking up trail conditions can be really valuable in the winter conditions. Number 14, look at the weather forecast ahead of time, and also look at the weather forecast the morning of, because it can change abruptly. I would suggest looking at multiple different forecasts and comparing them and be sure that you are looking at forecasts that are at elevation, not the base level. I personally find that the Mount Washington Observatory Higher Summit forecast is really beneficial, as well as NOAA or the National Weather Service, and their forecast discussion is helpful as well. Number 15, which is also the last one. Practice packing and unpacking your system at home and using any gear that you are unfamiliar with on smaller, lower-risk hikes. Gear placement can be really helpful. So putting things that you're most likely going to use or need towards the top or outside and things that you are unlikely going to need further inside of your pack. Perhaps you might even want to use a fanny pack for snacks or other small and frequently needed items. This will really help you to overall be more efficient when stopping and to get items and also you will know where everything is and just be overall more comfortable with your entire system which is going to increase your confidence on the trail and in the backcountry. Alrighty, now let's go over a couple of nutrition-specific considerations to make. I am also going to number these in no particular order. Number one, food and water have the potential to freeze. We covered earlier ways to slow down water from freezing, so I will cover more nutrition-related things here. Not all snacks are created equal when it comes to freezability. Bars tend to turn into hockey pucks, while crackers, cereal, nuts, and seeds don't. And there is also a big spectrum or gray area in the middle where things like sandwiches, cheese, baby food pouches, jerky, it's generally kind of a mixed bag, like they're partially frozen. My suggestion would be to try and pack snacks either closer to your body or inside of your backpack, Oftentimes, if I bring a bar or something that I know has a higher likelihood of freezing, I know that I am most likely going to either need to place it next to my body or inside my mitten with my hand warmer to thaw it before I can consume it. So, this is just something to make sure that you're thinking about because if you're getting hungry and there is a potential that all of your food is frozen solid, let's think about thawing it as well. Once you are even noticing you're getting hungry, So that when you really need a snack, you have something that you can actually consume. Number two, as we covered, bringing warm things to consume for comfort, and they will also help keep you warm or warm you up. Some favorites of mine are warm electrolytes or an electrolyte plus carbohydrate mix. So using hot water and whatever electrolyte product that you prefer, and then putting that into an insulated bottle. Also hot chocolate, tea, broth, and soup. Although, I will say, word on the street is that if you bring soup with noodles in a bottle and try to drink it, the noodles could become a choking hazard, so use caution because noodles are apparently dangerous. I'm kidding, but also not. Just be careful with your soup consumption if it's out of a bottle. Number three, you still need electrolytes in the winter months. I think that because it's cold, sometimes we might not realize that electrolytes are needed. But we are working hard hiking in the winter with heavier gear and possibly using snowshoes or breaking trail and working up a sweat, therefore, losing electrolytes through sweat that need to be replaced. Number four, there is a possibility that more calories, so more energy, is needed with winter hiking. This again really is coming back to carrying more weight as winter gear is heavier and possibly even wearing snowshoes or breaking trail. This is a lot of effort and work, so please do not underestimate it and realize that your body might actually need more energy to support and sustain your efforts. Number five, grazing could be beneficial instead of having larger meals because stopping for longer breaks or keeping hands out of mittens to consume a sandwich or something larger might end up leading you or your hands to getting too cold. And so, grazing or having smaller, more frequent snacks could be a really good option to keep energy demands up while also keeping your hands and you warm. Number six, bring extra snacks. This is something that should always be practiced, but especially in the winter, as there is overall a lower room for error. Things can happen, or it's even possible to underestimate the duration of the hike because of conditions or just how much effort is involved in winter hiking. Alrighty, now that we have covered some nutrition-related considerations to make, let's get into the last kind of section that I would like to before closing this podcast out. That is talking about some mindset, safety, and judgment considerations. And because we are on the numbering game, let's just keep that pattern going. Again, in no particular order. Number one, it won't all go per plan, especially every single time. This can be a challenge if we are used to always getting to the summit or bagging those extra peaks. Winter weather and conditions can throw a curveball. Or perhaps you planned an outing to be five hours, but did a safety budget for seven and it takes all seven. Having an idea of how long a hike could take and allotting that extra time is a smart move. And then also having turnaround times set. So for example, if you don't reach X mile or X part of a hike by a certain time that you have set, then you turn around. Number two, prepare before you need to. Consider possibilities that could arise during a given hike and how you would react and also how to prepare yourself for a potential future scenario when we consider these beforehand, this allows us to prepare better, both quite literally in terms of gear and also from a mindset perspective and Then on the hike, let's give the example of weather turning, so beginning to calmly consider things such as if I get cold, what layer would make the most sense to add or Would it be beneficial to add hand warmers in now while I'm warm so that I feel more comfortable should I need them? Asking questions that are if X, then Y answers can be beneficial and also calming for the nervous system. Number three, and this one kind of leads off of number two, remaining calm is a superpower. If something does happen, doing your best to calm your own nervous system is going to be beneficial. Yes, adrenaline is a real thing, And also, keeping your mind and body as even keeled as possible will serve you well by helping allow you to think straight and strategically and problem solve more effectively and likely in a way that is safer. Number four, communicate with your hiking partners if you are cold, uncertain, or hear that little voice. Also, communicating with yourself. One practice that I personally do, either on solo hikes or even if I'm hiking with a friend, is if I'm feeling uneasy for some reason. I'll tell myself that I'm currently safe and that I know how to react if something does happen, or this is when I will begin to implement number two of preparing before you need to, which usually helps. But we really just want to be communicating with ourselves and with our hiking partners if something is up in our mind or we are feeling uneasy or we start to get cold or something else is happening that could lead to a safety concern. Number five, know who you are going into the back country with. Make sure that you have a similar pace, break strategies, especially if you tend to get cold easily or they do, and also their experience and comfort level. This isn't to be like, I don't want to hike with you. It's really for safety and making sure that you have compatible hiking partners, especially in the winter season. This is just more important, in my opinion. And communication is also really key here just to keep everybody safe. Number six. There is less room or a smaller margin for error in the winter. And a reminder, the mountains will always be there, and there is no shame in turning around to safely return to your car and summit another day. Alrighty, and that is all I have for safety, mindset, and judgment considerations. Let me just cover a couple of resources that I will link up in the show notes. The first one is the Hike Safeguard. This is for New Hampshire only and you can check out all of the details on their website, but I would totally recommend it. The next is the 10 Essentials, which I mentioned earlier when going over my gear list. You can learn more about these and all of the specifics in the article that is linked. The next is New England Trail Conditions. This is a great resource for up-to-date trail reports and conditions. Also, weather forecasts mentioned earlier, which are the Mount Washington Observatory and also NOAA. And then the last one is USGS water data. This allows you to see trends in water levels and gain information on the current water levels and what's going on to kind of help you better assess different water crossing situations. And on that note, that is today's episode. So I hope that this was helpful for all of you in some capacity, whether you learned something about gear or a consideration to make, whether it comes to safety or nutrition or something else. And if you did find this episode beneficial or you find the Pursuing Endurance podcast to be helpful, there are a few ways to support the show in the show notes. However, the best way to support the show is to leave a rating or written review on iTunes or a rating on Spotify. Also, sharing the podcast on social media is an equally helpful thing to help get this little podcast into more ears to help more humans because that is my ultimate goal is to help all of you with all things related to hiking, strength training, sports nutrition, entrepreneurship, and eating disorder recovery. So the more ears I can get myself into, the more people I can help. And I know that leaving a rating review takes some time. So thank you so much if you take the time to do one, two, or all of these three things, which are rate, review, and share. And then lastly, just to mention Monday Mindset. Monday Mindset is a weekly, on Mondays, email with a thought, question, or prompt to help you get your week started off with some fire under your tush to get and stay on your goals. If you would like to receive Monday Mindset, you can sign up at sarahlacourse.com forward slash news, which will be linked up in the show notes. And on that note, that is today's episode. So I hope that you're all doing well and taking care of yourselves. And I look forward to having another conversation again soon. Okay, bye.